It's Friday the 5th of March. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. He's known as the Rick Stein, the Jamie Oliver of the cricketing world. How are you, Shana? Mate, I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not cooking at the moment, but uh, that's a really nice compliment. Thank you very much. But lots to talk about, Timmy. Yeah, I can't wait till you uh, lay out a degustation menu for the whole afternoon <laughs> sport team. Yeah, we've got a big show on the way. Paul Smith, well, the Kings, they're struggling a bit. He's the owner. We'll talk to him about how they're going to get out of what they're in. And John Stephenson will be along with all his general hilarity. So, Shane, let's have a look at this first thing. Ben Stokes and Virat Kohli. I think Stokes has, has got him on the kilos. They went really close to clashing, uh, you know, and the commentators saying, oh, this looks pretty friendly. And then they came together. The umpires had to get in the middle. It, uh, yeah, nice and fiery in India. Big time, mate. Very spicy. And uh, we've seen Stokes before in the past get into a punch-up in the street, so you wouldn't want to fight him. But, um, yeah, Kohli going to head-to-head. There's a lot lot on this. And, um, you know, England started the Test Series well, as we've spoken about before, and but yeah, Stokes on 55 and Collie going to head-to-head, um, arguing about a bouncer to the other batsman. And yeah, there's a lot of passion in this test match and England obviously want to win. It'd be great for the Australian team, but uh, yeah, they're in a bit of trouble over there at the moment. Uh, they chose to bat first, but uh, losing early wickets once again, the Poms. Yeah, we mentioned it over the summer, didn't we? This is a very different Indian psychology mm. to the Indian psychology of years gone by. Virat Kohli is in your face. No meek and mild anymore. No, he's not. And I think uh, even his teammates are as scared of him as the opposition are. And uh, <laughs> big time, mate. He gets in their face. And, um, yeah, he's really taken um, the Indian team to another level and uh, gone to the days where they were just a team that would play well occasionally on their own turf. But uh, he's in your face and wants to win. He's, he's, he's a really good player and a, and, a, and a very fierce leader. And in rugby league, a bit of a stoush between Cooper Cronk and Adam Reynolds. Uh, Cronk was critical of Reynolds, saying that he, you know he's he's got them to the prelim final a few times, but not gone on and, and got the the silverware. And, and Adam Reynolds says, well, I respect him as a player, but I don't care for what he says. Yep, he probably shouldn't have even responded. Um, you know, Cronk's job now is he's in the media, but uh, it's hard to argue with Cooper Cronk with his record. But look, he's probably right. You know, he, he's got the team to three prelims um, and hasn't got the cash in recent times and the pressure's on him. So there's only one way to uh, to come back, I think, at, at Cronk, and that's for uh, Reynolds to play really well at the start of the season and take the Bunnies to a premiership this year. And what about your mate Israel Folau? Is he going to play for Brisbane? I hope not, mate. We've discussed him quite a bit, but... Uh Look, I'm not sure, Timmy. I've, I've spoken quite a bit about Falao, and I don't think he's going to be great for the NRL code itself. But uh, I'd be really interested to see what Falao he has to come out and actually either um, agree with him talking to these clubs or, or put a stop to it right now. Yeah, well, Kevin Walters was at the Catalans. That was something that I thought may happen. He may come back and play for either Brisbane, Gold Coast, Cowboys, something a little bit out of the, the Sydney bubble. But we'll watch this space with interest. Uh, the Catalans haven't named him, so his intent is to try and get back in. He's living in Brisbane. So, yeah, we'll watch this space with interest. But there's plenty to talk about. Coming up on the show, the owner of the Sydney Kings, Paul Smith. All right, let's go to the basketball court and uh, our man, of course, the owner of the Sydney Kings, Paul Smith. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Okay. Mm. Never good after a loss. Yeah, Paul, it's it's not not really going to plan so far this season, is it, mate? I'm going to plan for anyone, mate. It's pretty <laughs> remarkable. It's uh, it's all over the map, and you look at the table, and it's all just clustering mm. up. So yesterday, that was a pretty important game for us. Really nice, we got that, and Dottenham Sylvan were a bit of a 
cleared cleared from the pack a little bit, but um, didn't happen. Um, but you know, look, it's a it's an eight game sort of mini tournament down there. We've won two, we've lost three, mm-hmm. with three games to go. If we get out of that at five hundred, if we get out of there with four wins, we'll be pretty happy. I can tell you. So, got to stay positive and you know keep moving forward. Well, how is how is the mental state of all all the players? They've, they've been pushed around, prodded, moved. Uh, you've got you guys have had physical injury as well. You've been down on numbers in games. Yeah. Oh, look at look. I was down there on the weekend. I went down on Saturday. Went to the game on Saturday night and spent the day on Sunday and Monday with the guys. And you know, look, it's pretty tough. Oh, I was glad to get out of there. I was only in there for three days, and I was glad to get out. It's mm. it's exhausting. You know, it's just there's no there's no relief from it, and um. I think this is just the reality of sport as it's been and it gives me a better appreciation of the pressure that a lot of these other sports have been under. But, you know, it's 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 tough. But, you know, look, I'm, we're all glad to be playing, but uh, we wish we were getting our, getting our backsides back to Sydney and getting ready to play some home and away games. Now you got – is it Phoenix on the weekend, Paul? That's a big game. Yeah, yeah. we got Phoenix. Um, we got them coming up. So they'll be a handful, uh, mm. I'd imagine. They got rolled over last night uh, or the day before by – Wildcats by a point under a bit of controversy there, but um, oh, you know we'll we'll uh, we'll face up. We'll see how we go. It's and it's a raffle, and this 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 competition's really, as I say, really compressed the field sort of thing. And you know we just got to got to hang in there. And the message to our guys is really clear about just staying. We've got to come out of this hole. You know we've got to come out of this in a good place as a team, mm-hmm. and we've got to stay positive, respectful of each other, and and keep working hard and and know that life will start to normalise when we get back to a normal home and away sort of format. There are some green sprouts, aren't there? And look, we can see that, you know, from an international perspective with the numbers in the United Kingdom and the vaccinations in the United States and the rollout here. And and with that, uh, there can be uh, some sense of anticipation, some sort of positivity, and um, that this, this big COVID ship is turning. Saw something today, I think, or yesterday, I saw something from the state government talking about COVID daily numbers going to sort of become less relevant, you know. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing. And I think, we, you know, the vaccine and a lot of other factors, and the government's now, I think, we're at either 75% or 100% capacity in, into indoors. But we've still got to get people to be comfortable to come back out. You know, that's the key. I think we can facilitate these things. We've got to give reassurance to the public that you know, the environment's safe and we're caring for them as much as we care for our players as well when they, if, when they get them back to our games. Paul, you're seeing a, um, uh, the age of, of sports people across, across the globe sort of, they're getting older, playing for a lot longer. And I, I read an interesting article on that Brad Newley this week, you know, 36 years of age and still performing well. What, what's the sort of average age of, of, of guys and when do you think they peak now in basketball? Well, if you ask the players, their average playing age they want to retire at about is about 60. That's when they want to earn the most money it? as well. <laughs> and they haven't yeah. peaked yet. They've got yeah. a good <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, look, I, look, I think it's um, – I think it's it's a good point you made, Shane. I think that well, look at Tom Brady. Oh my yep. God, you know, unbelievable, isn't he? Forty-three or something like that, or whatever that was. I didn't know what he is. It's it's like he's it's preposterous what he's done. But um, I think that's a function of much better science, much better care, much better Agreed. preparation. Mm. Um, you know, the things that you know blokes do today in cricket, you'd be horrified by. I imagine you know, you, you guys mm. were lucky to you know get a six six a slab of beer in you after a game, you know, sort of thing. So. The recovery is so important and, you know, and I think the game tends to be, you know, it's probably a different game. Basketball, it's probably 
you look at the NBA, it's very, very light touch. You know, they know it's a, it's not a very physical. We get into the finals, postseason, it gets really, gets really aggressive. But you know, they seem to be able to play on, and at the, the same time, there's a lot of young players coming through. So it's a good sign. And look, we need, we need the veterans on the on the roster because they could do so much to provide stability, and um, and they great. provide great influence to young guys. You know, as they're coming in, and so. Having that's an important part. And, you know, we had Bogues, of course. Um, you know, we've got kicks out there still running around. And, you know, he's pretty he's pretty potent as well. So, you know, it's a good sign. But, you know, look at the end of the day, oh, you, you can't be old man father time. He's going to get no, you eventually. No. So, so a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of the work we do with senior players is working on that transition, you know, so that they're prepared for that period where they step off the court and they start to make work on the next phase of their lives in a new career mode. So from a, from a care perspective, I see that's just as important from us at the Sydney Kings. Well as anything. Said, yeah. And, and just finally, we, to that point, we need the Ben Simmons. We need the Ingalls. We need all these guys because we really are stepping on Broadway all over the basketball world, Australians. We need them to come back to the NBL at some point and help inject uh, that life into our competition. It's going great, but you can't you can't buy that. No, you can't. And look, we've got one, one thing going for us in basketball right now. There's a lot of heroes. A lot of players are playing all over the world, mm. particularly in the United States, and they're just – they're just examples of what's possible. And so that only attracts more young men and women into the game and only helps bolster what we're doing. And so, you know, the visibility of the NBA, the players in the NBA is enormous and that's great for us. Uh, but, you know, we've got a job to do to convert that into interest and attendance and participation here in Australia. And that's, that's, a, that's easy to say, but it's hard to do. But the great news is we're working with a great product. And we've got a great foundation and the, the grassroots of the game couldn't be stronger, frankly. So it's all looking good. Mate, I totally agree. And you're doing a great job, mate. And, and I'll tell you, I've got, I've got kids in primary school and now one in high school and it's live and well, mate, basketball in school. So you, you guys have a big role to play moving forward. Well done, mate. Thanks, all right. Good on you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Bye, mate. Bye. Coming up, I love this time of the week. Johnny Stephenson is next. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. John Stephenson, how are you? Jimmy Gilbert, Shane, I have had a hell of a week, but I'm glad it's Friday. It's Friday, mate. So let's start with let's start with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, mate. What's happening there? Lewis, Lewis. Look, he finally revealed and came out and spoke about, hey, this is the reason why I took a one-year deal. And to give you a quick summation, it was more about Lewis feels that his priorities now is more about making a change in the world. And he spoke quite passionately 
about his movement for the gender equality and also diversity within his sport. He has worked quite extensively this year to create his Hamilton Commission, as well as launching a, a Mulberry STEM Academy with uh, team principal Toto Wolf, wow. where they educate kids of diversity to obviously become you know, engineers, mechanics within the motor racing world, which I think is all really awesome. The problem with this is that line we always talk about, you know, we love Lewis because he's a great race car driver. Is this something he does post-career or is this something he does whilst he is racing? He did say, look, um, I, I have done everything I wanted to achieve in the sport. Everything now is a bonus. So that's why I've gone year by year. But my focus is, of course, I want to win. Of course, I want mm. another championship. But the inclusion and diversity in my sport really resonated with him last year. He saw there's massive holes in the sport, which I do agree with him there is. Um, and he wants to improve those gaps. Is his heart still in it? Is his heart well, still that, in it? That's what I was going to say, yeah. Shane. There'll be fans that'll be looking going, hmm. And there'll yeah. be other fans that'll love what he's doing. You know, mm-hmm. And I think he's he's been quite divisive with this. When politics gets in, into sport. I think sport's an expression of one's happiness. And unfortunately with politics, there's a lot of gray area. And, and are you, are you sort of, sorry to interrupt, are you sort of getting the feeling at times from afar that Lewis Hamilton is getting bigger than the sport, getting bigger than his role in the cockpit? Oh man, I, I think a lot of that, that, that came out last year. I think it was quite clear, Tim. And, and, and I'm a coloured male. I love the black movement and getting equality. I mean, equality is the best thing in life. I, there's not, I teach it in my home. I teach with my, my, my friends. We, we on this chat operate with equality, love, um, and we take on all sorts of diversity uh, at afternoon sports. So I'm all for it. But again, it's sport, right? Sport's an expression of one's happiness. It's, we watch it to, be, to, to watch, be in awe of these people and what they do. I don't know if this is something he should have taken on post-career. Muhammad Ali did this in his career, very famously, and I think that's mm. a lot of people's motivation when doing things yeah. like this. So I'm not knocking it, the guy. It, it just sounds like he's, he's closer to retirement than than most people may think. And um, look, for me, someone always said with with, with retirement, it, it'll it'll stare you straight in the face, and you'll know the exact moment when you have to retire. And it does that. And and and, and I always thought, well, yeah, maybe go one more year and yeah, earn a few extra bucks. You can't do it if you're not fully committed. You're not 100. percent You're gone. Shane, gone. he said he's going to go year by year. Yeah. Um, to, which gives him options, which I get. I do get mm. that. He's Look, he's in the September of his career list. He's 36 years mm. of age. Um, I would love to see him take on a Nicky Lauder role in Mercedes. He's been with them pretty much his whole career when Ron Dennis first spotted him when he was a little go-karter um, and took him through, the through obviously, the, the Mercedes, you know, pathway of academy of becoming F1 driver. So I'd love to see him take that Nicky Lauder role, stay within the sport, and, and, and really push that diversity, um, which I think is cool. I mean, we, we can't deny the fact that, that you know, Formula One is, is a very privileged sport. It's, it's great to see if we get more involvement. Um, it only make the sport better. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting times for Formula One, interesting times for Lewis Hamilton. I, I think he jumps in the car, whips ass as always, yeah. which is yeah. bloody brilliant. Yeah, exactly, with that car too. Exactly, and it's a, definitely a watch this space. I will say this too. We also saw I saw some footage and images um, of Sebastian Vettel in the new Aston Martin with Lance Stroll. Um, Lance Stroll's father came out saying, um, my son is definitely a world champion. Um, and he definitely has the making of becoming a world champion. It's going to be great seeing the green Aston Martin out there, seeing what, see if Vettel's got his spark back. You know, um, mm. we spoke to Dave Reynolds mm. at Bathurst last week, and Dave obviously made the switch from Erebus into Grove Kelly Racing. Um, and he talked about how 
the environment at Erebus wasn't suited to him being the best he possibly could be. And maybe that was where Vettel was, was struggling at Ferrari. So I'm um, hoping we see the Vettel of old. I love Sebastian Vettel. He's one of my favorite drivers. And, uh, um, I can't wait for the season to start. Yeah. Look, I, I can hear a, a real sense of buoyancy and upbeat attitude in your voice. And I want to get serious for a minute, John, uh, and try and isolate where it's come from because you really were in in a negative space, upset with the world the first few days of this week. Was it? Was that negativity coming from one of two things? Was it because you hadn't had your weekly haircut yet, one? <laughs> or two, was it because you'd been racing and then you had to come back to the streets of Sydney, tailgating, where you were, you'd gone from your Chevy Chase sort of lifestyle up on the mountain back to reality? What was it? And how have you come good again? So Shane Lee, so any questions you have for me, Shane, like anything you want to ask me? Get Tim. No, it's no, it's freaky about all this. I actually got my hair done yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. And for the viewers listening, I didn't. For the viewers listening. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. For the listeners listening to this podcast, we normally before we start the podcast, hey boys, how you doing? Mm. We check up on one another. Normally, I discuss <laughs> my activity. I have not mentioned this to Tim or Shane that I got my hair done yesterday, and you come out of nowhere. With it, was it because you didn't get your hair? Yes, Tim. I'm sure. I'm sure you look very handsome, mate. Listen, on, on a serious note, um, Kokonakis came out this week and and saying he's got um, depression, which is, you know, we're hearing more and more of this from from our sportsmen, which is a real worry. And you know, this guy was, you know, he was sub, I think number sixty two in the world at one stage. In the last five years, has had very limited success. Uh, but so it's very brave of him to come out and say that he's been in some very dark places. And well, what, what's your take on that? And and did you experience much of this yourself in sport? What, what, what's your take on it? Yeah, kudos to the Lecoq, uh, yeah. I like to call him. Kudos to him for coming out. And this is, you know, we talk about Lewis Hamilton diversity and inclusion. Mm. Uh, it's this it's this ability to educate um, uh, the public uh, on the holistic understanding of, of what sport gives you. Because I'll, I'll, often we just see the adulation and the victories. Mm. Um, we don't really see the behind the scenes and what and the cost that professional athletes go through um, in order to become uh, successful. You know, we see the likes of Bernard Tomic, who, who maybe does not have the ability to put his ego aside and, and talk openly like, like Kokonakis is about why he's battling. You know, and I'm pretty confident that um, Bernard would have suffered symptoms of the same issues of depression or feeling not himself, the way Kokonakis has talked about over the last five years. I've definitely, uh, I went through this, which nobody knows. In 2006, I made a huge ton of money. Um, I had notoriety. I had achieved what I wanted to achieve for that year. And in my sports, I never thought I really would do so quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's the most emptiest and loneliest I've felt in my life. Wow. I remember I got invited to race in Oregon at Prefontaine. And uh, which is you get invited, which is which is the home of Nike and you know athletics. Like it's a Nike meet, and I was an ASICS athlete, and so you, I never thought I'd even get invited to that. And I remember I couldn't leave my room. I was you know sitting in my room crying uncontrollably, and I couldn't leave my room. My father had to fly over from Australia, and I remember yeah. I, I I went and I raced, and I was in lane eight, and they called my name, and I just burst out crying. I didn't want to be wow. there. Um, so. You know, and then I worked with a therapist. I, I flew home straight away. I didn't race in Europe. Um, lost my ranking, lost a whole lot of money. And But I worked with a therapist three days a week because I understood that at a duty of care, 
that, yeah, yes, I was known that I could run fast, but I felt out of duty of care for those that did support me, those young athletes and kids that were um, looking up to me, that I was was both externally and internally a balanced and a strong individual. So I did a hell of a lot of work on myself to understand where this where John, this can, insecurity can, was can, coming from. Can I, can I ask, who provided that therapist? Was that just your better understanding of yourself and you knew you needed something else or was that Athletics Australia? Who provided that for you, that support? Sadly, it wasn't Athletics Australia, but no. um, yeah, it was, yeah, I, I don't think they were well equipped enough back then to, mm. to really understand. We're talking 2006 now, right? And yeah, men, time, yeah. men sort of didn't really talk, especially men of, you know, that I was meant to be the strong, fast yep. runner that, you know, that took down the world and um, it wasn't something you really spoke about. So, I was blessed to have a very good old man and um, my father is, you know, my number one fan and, and he wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't be around today. And yeah. he, he sort of said to me, hey, you know, you need you need some serious help here, son. You know, like this is this is not normal. And if you get through this, you will forever mm. be, um, you know, you're strong enough to handle anything. You'll be able to take on anything in your life. So um, dad, that no. guidance really came from him and, uh, you know, we able to get, well, I was able to get good therapists and, um, and I worked, yeah, I worked my butt off to under, the same way I worked my butt off on the track. I worked my butt off when the therapist to, to understand. So I do like take it back to Kokonakis and athletes and pro athletes. I think it's quite more, it's more prevalent than what we really think. Um, because you know, you, 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 you grow up loving a sport as a hobby and then becomes a business. When it becomes a business, there's expectations, which sometimes you don't believe you can actually do. Right. And then you feel like you have to do it because it's your job. And I think that's where the inner embattlement starts and that's when the doubt, the self-doubt creeps in, the devil becomes active and then the depression sets in. And then once it sets in, then you start performing bad. The one thing that actually made you happy, yeah. you start performing bad. Now you're just really deeply in a hole. Now you're completely second-guessing yourself. Then you've got the people around you you thought loved you get second-guessing you. You've got the crowd and the fans that once did love you don't love you anymore. And it just, you know, it just, it just domino effects. It's, it's- and it spirals on, doesn't it? And, but the, one of the really good things, though, John, and it's, 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 it's brave of you, and I say that in all seriousness, to talk in the manner in which you have on this podcast. But thankfully, it's a bit of an anecdote of the times that we're living in, and hopefully we'll just continue to improve that mental health, depression, and everything that sits in this banner is like any injury. It is like a leg or a back, and it needs to be dealt with that, needs to be dealt with that openness, because through the past and and you know even when we were kids it was always sort of oh come on you'll be right you'll be right to be over but it needs to it needs to be attacked it needs to be worked on fixed and helped and you look you've come out the other side um like many have and only because you did something about it well it's funny you say that tim and i we talked about just sprint which i work with athletes you know getting them faster with the agility and this linear speed but the biggest thing most of the athletes i've worked with is golfers nrl players college uh, athletes going to America is more about the performance off the court or the track or the field and how to, how to balance your life, how to take your social life with your friends and the expectations of your friends and your family and, and your fans and your sponsors and still keep yourself together, you know, and, and um, that's my really enjoyment of, of when I work with HP. And, and one of the, one of the reasons why I say this to you, Tim, when I joined channel nine and you know, you're very, kindly took me under your wing the one thing i did say to you was i'll never take the tabloid headline approach when it comes to an athlete if there's an issue or a problem it's our job to educate the person sitting on their couch watching the screen or listening to this podcast on how these people get there while we're talking about kokonakas i think we have such a strong medium with this podcast to educate 
And similar to what Lewis Hamilton is trying to do, so I do see why he's trying to do um, what he's doing within Formula One because there are people there are people suffering in silence. And you're very correct, Tim. It's uh, we do have a part to play within society with the mediums we have in mm. educating the people that don't know what it's like to be a professional athlete. Shane, you've about, been a professional athlete. You understand this. Tim, you've I, worked with millions of professional athletes over the years. You understand the conversations. Look, 100%. It's uh, what people need to understand is that the expectations on an individual playing sport are huge as, as they are. When you add in um, uh, family or socioeconomic uh, challenges and they become the meal ticket. There's a lot more pressure. They start letting a lot of people down. So anyway, but it's tough. We've got to talk about it. And um, good on Kokonakis for coming out and being very brave. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you, Shane. Thanks, Tim. Always good chatting. Have a lovely weekend. Look forward to the next week, guys. And just li- just li- lightening the subject a little bit, John, if you ever do get upset with the haircut chat, let me know. You just put me in a state of depression, Tim, just quietly. Anyway, good oh, Have a good afternoon. Thanks, mate. Take care. Thanks, Shane. See you, man. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes out to our guests today, Paul Smith and John Stephenson. And thanks to our wonderful sponsors. Yes, Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. Yeah, and our producer, Dan McHugh, thank you so much. We will see you Monday. We'll see you then, guys.